Podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? Well, that's what we're here to find out. For tonight, I have thrown our format right out the window again and chosen The Horn from the BBC series Fear on Four, which ran from 1988 to 1993. This particular episode was first broadcast February 19th, 1989. Tim is not entirely crazy in this case. Fear on Four was hosted by the Man in Black, taken directly from Appointment with Fear, which had in turn borrowed the character from Suspense. Appointment with Fear ran from 1943 to 1955 and featured Valentine Dial as the Man in Black. A subsequent series known as The Man in Black enjoyed a short run in 1949 with Dial resuming the role. For Fear on Four, The Man in Black was portrayed by Edward D'Souza. As a little Doctor Who connection, D'Souza was featured in the first Doctor story, Mission to the Unknown, in 1965. As another Doctor Who connection, BBC launched another audio series entitled The Man in Black, which ran from 2009 to 2011. It featured Mark Gatiss in the titular role. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone. And the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music. And listen to the voices. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to my icy chamber of horrors. And to a chilling little tale in more ways than one. The story begins with ice and snow sweeping the country, bringing traffic to a halt. Three men seek shelter in a roadside hut. But what happens to them is enough to freeze their marrow. Join them then in the hut and listen for the sound of the horn. My God, I thought I was dead for sure. The door! Shut the door! Sorry. I swear there was something right out there behind me. Someone else out in this blizzard? No, not someone else. You imagine things. Come over where the heat is. You look ready to drop. He's let all the warm air out. And how else would he get in through the keyhole? Oh, I really thought I'd had it. I don't know how I managed to keep going. Oh, where'd you leave your car? Uh, about a mile back, down the motorway. Oh. The, the last people I saw there were these two coppers who gave me a push on the slip road because I, I couldn't get going on the ice. Oh. Then I looked in the mirror and saw they were putting the barriers across behind me. They've closed the road completely. Nothing can move out there. I was down to crawling along at about two miles an hour in first gear when my hoses blew and the engine seized. I thought I might make it as far as the services on the top. I think I got about halfway and then I saw the lights of this place. Is it yours? No, no, we're both stranded, same as you. What is it, then? It's only a maintenance hut. Somewhere for the road gangs to brew up and keep the lockers. Oh, hey, don't knock it. 
On a night like tonight, it's a lifesaver. Is the phone working? I keep trying, but it's dead. Oh, pity. Oh, look on the bright side. We've got an electric oh. fire, we've got a gas ring, we've got four water rounders and a roof over our heads. Look, the lads even left us some dirty books. We can just sit tight until the snow plough comes through. Or until it all blows over and... Oh, oh. Oh, oh great. Now we've got no lights and no heater. Now the winds must have brought the power lines down. Anything we can fix? You're kidding. Well, what do we do, then? Burn the furniture? And then we'd have nowhere to sit. Aye, but... look... There are candles, and we've got the gas ring. We can even have a brew. The kettle's electric, and the water pipes are probably frozen. I could really go off you. Do you know that? I'll get some candles lit. That one's really been getting up my nose. It seems all right. Look, I'm the one who found this place and got the lights on. You'd think it would be worse from recognition. The name's David. Nathan. His name's Mick. Says he's a van driver. Why shouldn't he be? Well, look at him. Eighteen stone and shaves once a month. You know what he puts me in mind of? Those blokes you see selling hamburgers outside football grounds. Stuff that always looks like it's... as if it's been poached in bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying yourselves. That's what he's about, though, that, isn't he? Thinks he does. Do you work on the motorway, then? Me? No. I'm in sales. A salesman? No. I'm in sales. Now, that wasn't your car up past with all the chocky boxes in the back, was it? No, it wasn't. I'll tell you something. I went out to take a look around about half an hour ago, didn't I? Yes, you did. And I was sorry. I thought it might be clearing, but it was like walking into razor blades. There's absolutely nothing in any direction. There's the road and the moor and a blizzard and that's it. White hell. All the way up to the top. Oh, spare us. Yeah, get out there and you hear the wind in the wires. After a bit, it starts sounding like... Voices. Listen for long enough, and you'll hear it calling your name. <sighs> I know. Wind up when I hear one. No, no, dead straight, this. You know what I reckon? What? It's all the dead people that ever scraped up off the road. They're out there, and they're cold, and they're lonely. Oh, for God's sake! <sighs> I'm going to try the phone again. <laughs> what was all that about? It's sensitive voice, out, Desmond. Oh. Just come and see this wall over here. All these old newspaper clippings, it's like a scrapbook. You see anything unusual? That girl's definitely deformed. No, I don't mean the pastry stuff. Look at the pictures. Oh, yes. It's nearly all pile-ups and smashes. Pile-ups, smashes... And all on this stretch of motorway. Uh, Desmond over there was reading the one I got here. It's David! Of course it is. You see, the lads who work out of here, they're the ones who get called on when something happens. Somebody gets spread all over the fast lane, they're the ones who have to turn out with the bags and shovels, scrape it all up. Oh, charming. Sounds too gruesome to imagine. Uh, only to you and me. How we're used to it. A bit morbid, keeping all this stuff, though. Ah, just on his pride and a job well done. Uh, some of these are great. And not all smashes. Look at this one. Some poor girl's body buried in a concrete bridge. Three weeks, still drilling for it. Mm. Uh, this one's my favourite. <laughs> the disaster with the old folks outing and the pet food truck full of offal. I'm getting nothing here. Still dead? Well, it's not exactly dead. It's more like an open line with nothing on the other end. It'll be like a field telephone. If nobody's plugged in the other end, then there's nobody to hear. Yeah, you blast in, Nathan. 
Was the weather showing any signs of lifting? Oh, no. I wouldn't care if this was Dracula's tomb. I'd still rather be in here than out there. Oh, that settles it, then. Settles what? Forget the phone, Dave. Pete! Dave. We might as well scrounge up a brew. Because we're obviously going to be here for some time. It is deliberately, you know. Melted snow, powdered milk, catering tea bags. All in a mug like a baby's potty. You don't want yours. Get off, it's one. There's a name on my mug. It says, hands off, I'm Harry's. There's a name on everybody's. It's just like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. <sighs> Funny profession these blokes have, though. You want to see it from their point of view? It'll be like working in a morgue. You'll get bad dreams for the first few weeks, and then after that, it's just another job. How would you know? I've got a brother-in-law who's a nurse. He's just about seen it all. I mean, the likes of you and me. We don't know half of what it's about. Well, I don't know. You sound like you've been around a bit. Me? Nah, same thing day in, day out. I've been driving this route ever since they opened it up. And before that, I used to go over the Snake Path when it was the only way across. I've seen it bad, but I've never known it like this. It looks like the end of the world out there. Got a knacker looking on the bright side, hasn't he? You wouldn't have seen that big barrier about half a mile further up. That's why I had to stop the van. Was it blocking the road? Yeah, from one side to the other. Completely jackknifed on the ice. Those things are like dinosaurs. They'll go through anything. But it couldn't get through this. Couldn't get the van past. That's why I had to get out and walk back. I'd seen the lights of this place, so I had something to aim for. Ever drive in Sweden? And not unless you have to pass through it to get to Arsley <laughs> Over there, it's like this for half the year, but they're organised. That's what makes the difference. Well, if I was heading home for a romp in the sauna with a couple of Swedish girls, I wouldn't take kindly to being held up either. <laughs> How about you, Desmond? <laughs> David! David! All right, I'm sorry. Oh, flaming, get it right, then. Touchy. Touchy. Anywhere special you have to be, Dave? Just want to get home. Nothing to argue with there. What's the matter with the gas ring? Oh, no. Oh, it sounds like the gas bottle's running out. Oh, Don't panic. I saw another one under here. Ah. What's the matter? There's one more cylinder and... It's empty. Now, do we burn the furniture? Metal lockers, tubular steel chairs, one formica table. I think we're on a loser there, Nathan. I'm getting colder already. He's right. The walls are paper thin and the place is full of drafts. It'll be soon like an icebox in here. We can't last long without heat. Suggestions? We could, um... We're going to have to go out and find somewhere else, aren't we? Well, the way I see it, there's only one way to go. The services? No, no, I don't think we make it. It's more than two miles and it might as well be 20. I reckon we can do maybe a quarter of that at the most. It gets us nowhere. It gets us as far as that big Arctic I told you about that's blocking the carriageway. If we can get into that and start its engine running, we can sit tight in the cab with the heater on. Until the diesel runs out. Uh, these things never run out. Tanks like swimming pools. Now, we can either wait for the snowplow to find us... Or I'll strike out again as the weather improves. Well, what do you think? Well, it'll have a radio. CB radio. Don't most of these big trucks carry them? Well, we can tell someone where we are. Well, that we can, Dave. Are you game? Oh, let's go. Well, wait on a minute. There's no point in all of us scrambling out together. Now, what I reckon is one of us goes ahead and does the necessary. 
and then he sounds the horn as a signal for the others to follow. You mean break into the cabin, then start up the engine with no key? Right. I wouldn't know how. Sorry. <laughs> Me neither. Then, since we're talking about breaking and entering with a little spot of creative rewiring, it appears that I'm the only one with the education in the appropriate subjects round here. Am I right? Oh, this is mad! It's survival, mate. Well, let me try that phone just one more time. Pass me those gloves, will you, Nathan? You're totally potty, you know that? Yeah, my brain surgically removed. I've been feeling much better without it. Listen, I'm going to go down to the crash barrier and then follow it along until I reach the lorry. Otherwise, there's no knowing where I may end up. Keep your ears up for the sound of the horn. And keep an eye on him. Why? Just keep an eye on him, that's all. If he starts messing about, leave him. But he'll I'm be... serious. Well, time to go walkies. Well, best of luck. And I hope you make it. Yes, I think so too, because if I don't, you're in big trouble. Right, do the door, will you? Whenever you're ready. <sighs> okay, here goes. Now! What was that Indian's name again? Geronimo! He's gone. Yeah, I kind of noticed. I heard what he said about me, you know. I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it. Yeah, I bet. And who does he think he is? Scott the bleeding Antarctic. I don't care if he thinks he's Scotty on the Enterprise. If he gets us out of trouble, he'll be okay by me. Well, you don't have to worry about me. I'm no dead weight. I never said I thought you were. No, but he does. Pretty serious, isn't it? We've still got options. That puts us one step ahead. As long as he makes it. Come on. Damn! Let's get some of these candles relit so we can see. What are you doing? Reading these newspaper clippings by candlelight. It's the other way of ruining your eyesight. I don't know how you can look at that, that stuff at a time like this. Oh, I don't know. Gives you a kind of perspective. There are worse situations. Oh, sure. There are. Oh, name one. Sitting in the wreck of your car with your hands on the wheel and your head on the back seat. Being in the way when someone decides to cross the central reservation and go looking for suicide in the oncoming traffic. Or being buried alive in concrete so deep that even x-rays can't find you. Buried alive? There. See? I remember this one. Got all the front pages just a couple of weeks back. Bloke was a construction manager on the motorway. Lived about three miles away from me. His wife's had to move out. People keep going round to look at his house now he's been locked up. Oh, for what? What'd he done? Oh, interested now, eh? He had something going with a typist in the site office. When it got a bit too serious, he arranged to meet her on the site around midnight. Told her to pack a bag and not to tell anyone where she was going. And he killed her? She was to sit in the office with the lights out and wait for a signal to join him outside. Except that he was already waiting for her, in the shadows. Uh, <clears throat> I'm really not interested. No? No. What happened then? When the police caught up with him, he told them that he'd put her body into a piling for one of the bridges. The concrete had gone in the next morning. You know what his defence was? Said it couldn't be murder... Because she wasn't dead when he left her. Poor kid. This is sick and so are you. I don't know who's worse, you and Bluto out there. If it wasn't for a letter she'd written to her sister, he'd have got away with it. They started drilling, but they still haven't found her. Now, that's what I would call a worse situation. 
What you and I have is just a temporary interruption in service. Our signal, I think. I'm ready. Want to give the phone just one more try? No. The grease ball was right in one thing. It isn't for long enough and you do start to hear something calling your name. Door? Door. Right. Which way? Northbound. What? Do as Mick said. Find the crash barrier and follow it. I can't see his tracks. I don't wonder. They wouldn't have lasted five minutes in this wind. Just get to the crash barrier. Come on. Oh, thank God for some kind of shelter. Better not stay here long. Oh, Caprice to death. How much further can it I be? I don't know. Sounds can be very deceptive when it's like this. Are you all right? Oh, you must be joking. I reckon we've been going about ten minutes. Oh, is that all? It feels like hours. It'll be more than hours if we don't keep moving. Oh, just one minute, just one minute to it rest. It can't be much further. How long was Mick gone? I didn't keep trying. Oh, me neither. Suppose we should have. Come on. Yeah. My God. What was that? Where? Oh, she's scaffolding. Oh, the damn bridge is safe. Why? Well, use your head. All is scaffolding. Oh, yes. Hey, I wonder if this is where they're drilling for her. Oh, for God's sake. Have it your way. I'm going. I'm exhausted and I'm freezing to death, but I'm going. I wonder if this is where he put her. <gasps> no, deep hole. Nothing in it. David? David? Where are you? I can't see you. I can't see you. Well, get the door open and let's get inside. Right. Now, give me a bunker. One, two, three. Got it. Can you manage? No. Pull me up. Come on, then. the alarm. That's what's making the horn sound. But which is it? Uh, try that one. Oh, that's better. Yeah, not bad, eh? I wonder where he is. Who? You know damn well who. Mick, where is he? Why are you asking me? He must have been here. Look, he's had all the wire out to get it started. Well, he must have popped out for something. No, this isn't funny. Maybe I'm looking for his van. I don't know. I'm not his mother. I wasn't here. I like it. To make a written complaint. We're safe, aren't we? We were. It's stall, that's all. I don't like the look of this. Well, try the starter. Well, quick, try it. Fuel gauge is on empty, that's why. Empty? That's ridiculous. That's what it reads. I don't understand. What about the radio? You said these all have... Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And this must be it. Cross your fingers, and I'll give it a try. Hello? Testing. Hello? Flying doctor to Wollumboola Base. Don't tell me. Let me guess. Well, put it this way. It's exactly in line with the run of luck we've been having all night. This isn't luck. This is something damn peculiar. It's warmer in here than outside. But not for long. In five minutes, we'll be no better off than we were back in the hut. 
Hear that? I can hear it. Here we go. No, wait. It may not be him. Who else is it going to be? Give it a couple of minutes longer. And have you telling me I turned out to be a dead weight after all? No facts. David, David, wait. Look, do what you like. I'm going to show him. David, don't forget to follow the barrier. Forget the barrier. Follow the horn. Wait for me, then. What? What's this? Gloves? Bix, gloves. Why would he go out without them? If he went out at all. Wait a minute. We never check behind here. Well, blow me. How long have you been in here? Why didn't you speak up when you heard us come in, Mick? You awake? Mick? Mick? Wait for me. Oh, yeah? Who's the dead weight now? You've got to listen. I don't know who's out there, but it isn't Mick. I can't hear you. I said it isn't him. Who, then? I don't know. Get off me! David! It's not there. It can't be. I couldn't give a toss if it turned out to be Margaret Thatcher. You do what you want. I don't want to die out here. You can't even see what you're heading for. No, but I can hear the horn. Tell what you've done. I'll never find it. Come over here. We can get some shelter down by the barrier. We're dead. You know that. We aren't. Mick is. I don't get you. I found his gloves. I couldn't imagine why he'd set out again without them, not into this. And then I... I thought to take a look behind the curtain at the back of the cab. And there he was. Doing what? Nothing. I told you, he was dead. But how? I, I don't understand. Neither do I. It wasn't from the cold, that's for sure. Someone had been at him. He was cut to ribbons. I don't ever want to see anything like that again. It made me sick. I stumbled outside, was leaning over by the side of the wagon, and that's when I saw how the tanks came to be empty. How? They'd been slashed, ripped open, end to end. Five long gashes. All in a line. The diesel just poured out into the snow. Whatever did it was the same thing that had hacked Mick to death. Long, blood-red gashes. Do me a favour. It's the truth, I swear it. Just because I wear a suit and a tie and I don't drive some big fancy-ass lorry and that fat excuse for a girl out there doesn't mean I'm fair game for a wind-up. First it was him, now it's you. Well, he can both leave me alone. Scout's honour, David. Stick it, Nathan, I'm going. See? See? It's a trap, David, it's a trap. And the horn's just the bait. You follow it and you'll end up like Mick. And what do you plan to do? I don't know. I'll dig myself a hole and hide. I'll do anything, but I won't follow that sound. You do that, and I'll tell them what your last words were when they finally dig you out. What was that? It's the wind in the wires. It's just like on the phone... You listen long enough, you can hear anything. 
There's nothing there. What's the matter, then? Aren't you going? I'm... Waiting for the snow to clear. I want to be able to see where I'm heading. Straight to hell, David, if you answer that call. What was the name of the man who killed that young girl? I don't remember. It was Louis. Louis, the lady killer. That's what the paper said. The one who drowned his girlfriend in cement. She'd packed her bag, she'd said her goodbyes and was waiting for the signal. And you know what the signal was? No. No. No! I'm not going to die out here for some ridiculous story. You suit yourself, David, but I'm going to take my chances and press on for the service area. It's too far. You'll never make it. Maybe they've heard the horn, too. Maybe they'll send out the snowplow. It's clearing. I can see it. I can see the lorry. David. I'm going. David, stop. There's someone getting out. I can't see. It's her, David. It's her. Sister I'm going. Look at the way she's dressed. I... Those aren't winter clothes. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you anymore. Louis. Is it you? Don't go to her. David, don't go to her. I just want to get somewhere that's warm. David, she's dangerous. I don't even care. I just want to get out of the cold. I've somewhere warm for you, Louis. Look. She's making no marks in the snow. She's leaving no footprints. It is her. Nathan! Nathan! Run, Nathan, run! Leave him alone! Leave him alone! He's not Louis! Louis in jail! And you! You! What's the use? I'm sorry, David. Get away from you. Must get away. Louis. I waited so long for you, Louis. Why did you stay away? Listen to me. I'm not Louis. You were always such a tease. My nails are broken. And I can't remember how. Look, Louis. Look, I hate to be the one to break this to you, but... Well... You're not real. You're dead. Buried in concrete. I know that, Louis. Don't ever suppose that I don't. You betrayed me. You were everything to me. Did I mean so little to you? They caught him. He's in prison. He's not here. I'm not Louis. It's so cold in there. So cold and so dark. You wrote a letter. Remember, a letter to your sister to say that you and Louis were going away and you hoped she'd understand. When she didn't hear from you again, she took it to the police. You never once said you loved me. For the last time, I'm not Louis. For the last time, Louis, one last kiss before we're together forever. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Get your nails off my face. No. No. No! <laughs> Louis? Louis, is that you? Louis, is it really you at last? Oh, thank God. It's a snowplow. 
Over here! Over here! Get out of the way! What a date. Oh, God, what a date. Over here. Oh, no, not a punter. Please, God, tell me I didn't hit a punter. You didn't hit me. Well, who then? The blade went right into something. Something, but I couldn't see what. There was nothing. You're on your own. Absolutely. Oh. And if you don't mind, I'm freezing to death here. Oh, don't move. I've got some spare blankets in the cab. What are you doing? My mate's doing the other carriageway. We have to sound the horn to keep in touch. Oh, no, don't touch it. No, don't worry. I've got the blankets right. Hey, what are you doing? You call this a rescue? Hey, come out of there. What do you think you're... They're still searching for the dead girl's body, but you and I know she's out there somewhere, on some stretch of motorway, still waiting for Louis to turn up. So do remember, if you happen to be out driving late or when the weather's closing in, remember, she's still looking. John Castle played Nathan, Peter Gunn, David, Philip Sully, Mick, Christopher Scott, the snowplough driver, and Cara Kelly, the spectral voice. The Horn was written by Stephen Gallagher and directed by Martin Jenkins. That was The Horn from Fear on Four here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. Yeah! (laughs) That's how I'm starting this. All right. I'm coming out. I'm not even going to lead up. That was fantastic. Yay! That is my favorite in our podcast, and it is in my top five favorite radio shows I've ever heard in my life. That was so good. I enjoyed every second of that. I don't know what Fear on Four is. I know that it's contemporary. And, oh, my God, I enjoyed that. Well, that's it for the podcast, everybody. Thanks <laughs> for listening. I'm telling you, man. That's so exciting. I had no idea what I was in for when I got here. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's we don't we do. talk to each other, but I've been waiting, I don't know, two days to go, thank you. That was really fun to listen to, and I I can't wait to hear. Do you like it? <laughs> I thought it was a great, great ghost story. Yeah. It was fantastic stuff. 
And uh, I'm going to share some nerdy facts Please. here. Nice! You, you mentioned Doctor Who. The, this story was written by Stephen Gallagher, adapted from a short story by Stephen Gallagher, who also was a Doctor Who writer in the 1980s on the classic series. So he actually has quite a, a pedigree when it comes to uh, writing for English television and films. Uh, yeah, uh, Fear on Four is just, I, did, I didn't want to front load too much into the introduction, but it is uh, widely uh, praised for the performances and the writing just as being of the highest caliber. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Have well, you heard of it before Tim gave us this? Fear not Fear and Four. I was familiar with Appointment with Fear. And if you've mm-hmm. ever listened to Appointment with Fear, it is the British suspense, like official. Mm-hmm. It uses suspense as music. Right. But instead of saying, you know, we hope this tale keeps you in suspense, they're like, I hope you keep this appointment with fear. I mean, it is just <laughs> a this British said, version of suspense. We hope all four of you have fear. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> No, well, Fear on Four is BBC Four. It's the yes, radio yeah, station, the is what they're reference. referencing by Four. How many episodes do they do? Uh, I mean, I don't. Not many, I, like thirteen. All original scripts. Do we know anything more about? Well, again, this was a short story first. This Stephen yeah. Ga- this, oh, this thing. Right, right. And I did a little bit of reading up on the short story. It's from a collection uh, called Out of His Mind by mm. Stephen Gallagher. Um, the one interesting fact from the short story is that. The girl, and, uh, who is a ghost in this one, is presented more horrifically as almost like a zombie mm. when she appears and described in really gruesome mm-hmm. detail. And I think they made the right choice for audio to make her this sort of spectral, yeah, ghostly figure. Yeah, there's so much I want to delve into. And how much Nobody's stopping it was you. Constructed, yeah. It was constructed so well. First of all, blinding white snow trapped in the middle of nowhere. And that description of the wind... That they become voices eventually, you know. Yeah, the, the wind wires. and the wires, yeah. And I went outside thinking that the blizzard might have dissipated. And it was like razors on my face. That feeling, and you know that feeling, right? Like, Yeah, oh, us being good hurts. Minnesotans, we know what Right, I- <laughs> right. Trapped with strangers in this thing. And the first thing that guy does, as soon as the other guy walks 10 feet away, this guy's a jerk. I hate this guy. And so it starts that combativeness so that you yeah, know that, that there's some kind of... Nothing to do with the supernatural element is that... No, but it still adds a layer to... If there was no, supernat- no supernatural to this, it could have very well been a story of how are these three going to survive a very long time when maybe one of them is a killer or just a jerk yeah. <laughs> in general. Well, there is this theme throughout it. There's several themes. It's very rich thematically. But this this idea that something that is your salvation uh, becomes either dangerous or the exact opposite, your death. And I think what you're talking about when he runs into the hut, and it's great, he just drops you right in there. You're as disoriented as Nathan is, that, that third third man into the hut you're like right. what's what's going on and he meets these guys but their sort of distrust of one another and their conflicting personalities um, immediately makes this place of safety a little dubious yeah the, the mm-hmm. tension exactly. rises and then the horn itself starts out as this note of salvation right it's like follow the horn and mm-hmm. then it is immediately flipped to be this sort of siren call. It's it's siren you, you're you're, you're, yeah, you're going to yeah. be brought to your death by the horn. So there, there's a lot of nice flips like that. There's that moment in there when they are arguing about, should we follow the horn, should we not follow the horn, we're just out in the middle of there, and then the horn stops. Oh, yeah. And that is so horrible that you suddenly realize what a cat and mouse game that has been being played with these people, uh-huh. and, and they're just stuck in this horrible place. I love talking about the foley and sound effects i forget when we're listening to old time radio that it's recorded flat like what you're listening to right now folks this is recorded flat when you start to mix and engineer and get a good 
engineer and a good sound person, they are worth their weight in gold. There are people in your ears on headphones that are on that side of the room, mm-hmm. oh, and there yeah. are people yeah. on this side of the room, and they move around, and it fills your head. And I know it's contemporary, but gosh, it made a huge difference. Well, it's in, contemporary, in but it owes so much but to the, the golden like, age of radio, right? Yeah, the, absolutely. I mean, the, how it's constructed is absolutely. pretty much an homage, but yeah, they use modern it. technology. You're right. Yeah, the, the impact of... The impact of our sound technology and what it can do to enhance. Imagine these old shows with the technology we have mm-hmm. and the engineering that we have for sound, how much more alive they would become. Did you feel that in your headphones? How well, like beautiful that sounds? The horn, particularly. Yeah. All the horns, because they picked a nice variety of sounds yeah. for the horn. Yep. Also, They're just again, in your headphones, they always they were, told you how far away they were. There was varied distances Correct. the way they set them, yeah, which is a beautiful. Re- really nice. And when you record it flat, they're beautiful, but I, I keep thinking about like, oh, I don't know. I love a mystery recorded, you know, in a studio like that with that baby crying. And we'll talk about this <laughs> months from now. This but the summer. thing that cries in the night, you know, imagine hearing that baby crying that far away. And <laughs> it was just gorgeous. The second note I had uh, after love the sound was I love the story. And we've already been talking about this story, but I love every element of this story and where it takes us. I love a man in a blizzard, and he's the last one out of town, and he sees them blocking the road as he leaves, that his car breaks down, that he finds a shack, that he goes in with these two strangers. This is a really compelling idea and a really Mm -hmm. compelling story. And then they have conflicts of personality, and then that this woman died out here. Thank you for dropping that bomb. And then I think my favorite moment, though, is how well written and performed it was when he leaves the truck and he goes, well, why are his gloves in here? And turns around and finds him behind the seat or in the cab or whatever it was, uh, cut up. And and then that gurgling noise of his final death. Well, it's also a nice touch because they make an effort to point out that he is the biggest and clearly the bravest and the most resourceful. And if he's the guy who died, the least brave, least resourceful characters are left. We had Mick, the big guy, the main character. Mm -hmm. And and I'm so sorry. uh, David Uh, was the the Yeah, they kept calling him Desmond. It kept making him so angry because Mick would call him Desmond, which is a nice little character bit. He reminded me of, and please help me in this, I'm going to expose myself, (laughs) the actor that plays Scotty on the new Star Treks. Oh, Simon Pegg. He yeah. reminded me, actor-wise, his approach to it was that frantic, mm-hmm. well, then fine, screw it, we're all in trouble then, <laughs> yeah. we're all going to die, yeah. you know? Or uh, what's the guy in Aliens that goes, yeah, man, let Bill Bishop. Hicks. Yeah. Let Bill Hicks. No, I'm sorry, no. Oh, Bill Hicks is a stand-up comedian. Please don't send me angry emails. The character is Hicks. The actor is Bill Paxton. Bill there Paxton. we go. Woo. Woo. Got that out. Oh, man. Yeah, man, you should send Bishop. Game over. Game over. <laughs> Why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> but that kind of, I loved his character. There were three great characters, really well acted. And it's like that great motivation to, you can see why he made bad decisions. Not that there were really good decisions to be made in the situation, but like, why would you just go running out into the cold? Because he, he was mad and he had something to prove. Yeah. I, I, I found it very plausible. Yeah. And let's not forget that in that situation, you are going to make poor decisions from hypothermia, from uh, terror, from desperation. Screw it. I am going to go. I don't care what you say. I'm going to follow the horn. It, 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 at no point did I have that moment in horror stories. You go, oh, yeah. why would you, why do, would that? you do that stupid? Well, the, I might have done that. I'm going to go follow the horn. Well, Gallagher left it so that you there's no good choice. Yeah, know? freeze right. to death here, freeze to death there. Right. Yeah, everything's a bad choice that these guys have in front of them. No music until halfway through. 
And God bless him. And it almost theremin. It, yes, it it's has a theremin. Exactly, yeah. it has God this very B sci-fi sound, but beautiful. Joy, because yeah. everything else is so naturalistic about it, it strangely grounds the ghost story aspect of it. Right. Where when she comes in, you go, "Okay, this is real supernatural." Because there's a theremin. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> buy in. Was the one part of the story where I'm like, hmm. like comparing this ghostly voice to Poltergeist that we did. Many, many, many weeks ago. Oh, yeah. That I actually thought the old-time version of the ghostly voice was better than this slightly... I, I don't know what the process was of slightly digitally altered voice that they did. I had a moment of disappointment when the ghost voice cut in. Because yeah. there, there was... It saved itself. The, the story sold me on it. But I had a moment of disappointment in that I kind of thought we were moving toward that realm of a little like the house in Cypress Canyon where we could have explained it away. We weren't going to get this concrete that there was a supernatural entity. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately the way they played the character was really intriguing and was a a nice play on the ghost tropes where she was – absolutely of a one-track mind it was yes. louis and you could you could not negotiate with her there's that great line after he's found um there's that, that mick probably... shredded the gas tanks on the truck have been shredded right. and uh the ghost says uh my nails are broken and i can't even remember how yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like okay she has a character yeah as in like and she is tries to explain slave. Her, you're dead it's like i know don't yeah. think oh. i don't know yeah. <laughs> that by the way that line is so english it's such I hate to be the one to break this to you, yeah. <laughs> but you're dead. I loved that line. So English. The ghostly voice. I think that if I was directing this, I would have made it less... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it has too much clarity, I Clarity. Think. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. That's Louis. what you're getting at with Poltergeist from Mark Goldberg. Yes. This ahead of this muddy quality. Muddy quality. Like, is that wind or am I hearing Louie? I'm being really nitpicky, but I really would have gone more in the direction of... I'm hearing the word Louie in the wind, and I think they could have had a lot more fun with that. Yeah, and it goes back to that idea of ambivalence being a little frightening or you're you're not sure, are you hearing this, are you not? And they went that route, and, and I think they did a good job of it. Like, nope, there is a ghost yeah. right yeah. here in front of you, yeah, and you are having a conversation with it. There's no ambivalence. Yeah, it didn't ruin it for me. I loved the snowplow guy, like Red Herring, where you thought, oh, Thank he you. survived. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. That moment. Oh, my God. He was just getting away. Mm -hmm. You know, he's in the snowball. Thank God we're done. And he's not. I really thought we were done. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Oh, and and when the snowball hits his horn, he's like, don't Don't do do the horn. (laughs) And then when he she comes in, Mm -hmm. I also like that he didn't scream much like I didn't scream. And I was like, oh, yeah. Creepy. Mm -hmm. Nice. Beautiful touch. I did have a disappointment with my own brain. Uh, sometimes, you know, again, again, it will tell you things that you don't want to hear. (laughs) And I kept doing this and ruining things for me. Louie, Louie. And I would go, Oh, (laughs) we got to go now. Yeah. (laughs) And like, stop, Eric, stop doing that. I'd heard this before several years ago and then heard it again. And eventually like, Oh, she comes when you honk the horn. (laughs) (laughs) you hadn't you didn't pick that up the i just like i sort of got it but just not explicitly of like right right oh don't honk the horn like my moment of silly english knigets 30 years later oh it's phonetically (laughs) nice i woke up in the middle of the night i get that joke (laughs) 
Uh, and I laughed anyway, because I thought Knigget was like, you know, something you ate in England. I would like to say, though, screw you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> scared the ever-loving bleep out of me. I wish this is one I would have listened to while vacuuming during the day, because I yeah. listen at night in my bed, and I didn't sleep. Yeah. Well. A couple nights ago, I was awakened at like three in the morning, and there was this tapping in my room, this rhythmic tapping, <laughs> tap, tap. Tap, 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 tap. And I laid there and had that, like, oh. what the hell right. is this? <laughs> and I laid there and I listened to the sound and had that just frozen moment. Oh, I hate and I that. slowly sat up and looked. And it was my old elderly dog who was having a dream that he was running, but he'd fallen off his bed because he's old. <laughs> and he was running in his sleep and his, his paw was just clicking the against nails. the wall as yeah. he was just running. And he just kept running. And I was like, you stupid dog. So I woke him up. I had to take him outside. Blah, blah, blah. But then I got, you know, it's freezing cold here in Minnesota. Got yeah. into bed, 3 o'clock, and I'm wide awake. I'm like, I'm going to listen to something to help me fall asleep. <laughs> oh, I have to listen to the horn for this podcast. <laughs> oh, so no. I, I was like, this will help me fall asleep. And I just laid there wide awake at 3 in the morning <laughs> after having already been woken in this horrifying right? way. And it's like... <laughs> There's nothing worse than waking up. I I know that we like scare ourselves on purpose with these stories, but something really actually like oh I I can't explain that away. I can't explain that away. Yeah. And then your brain goes to okay, this is how every Dateline NBC starts. <laughs> <laughs> like it couldn't happen to me, and I'm like ah, oh, and then it's the dog clicking the wall. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, I think Dateline should do more stories about dogs having running <laughs> dreams. Right. I mean it. This is one of my top ever old-time uh, old radio shows ever that I've ever heard. I, I Top five. It was so... It ranks up there. I've made no qualms about that I believe I Love a Mystery is the greatest thing ever written, and it is as good and enthralling and beautiful and well-acted and, and interesting as all of those were to me. And so that's my vote. Stands the test of time. Well, it is contemporary, so we can't really vote on that. But well, not not it's eighty nine. That's like almost right. thirty years ago. Well, and in some ways, I was I was brought this not so much thinking like, will this stand the test of time? Is how well does this stand in the shadow of this tradition of horror? It does very well. Yeah. You know, you emailed us said, oh, you know, I'm going to do something a little more contemporary and go off the bu- uh, the the rails again here because the last one you did was Vincent Price. Yeah, seventy three. I think. And it was. I, made no bones in our podcast about I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and it was all very odd to me. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be some kind of... Boy, they were really true to that style of old-time radio. Yeah. They understand they the understand medium. They understand it, yeah, this, right? Yeah. I'm going to listen to all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very excited about it. There's our votes. Yeah, stands yeah, the test yeah, of time. I, I chose this because I kept I kept digging around for like, I want to do something more modern, like the horn, because I really liked the horn a lot. So I wanted to find something like the horn. Or I could just, just do, do the, the horn. horn. <laughs> and I'm really glad I did. Well, you've been listening to Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Uh, and I'm Eric. And I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And uh, we love that you listen to this. Um, if you want to learn more stuff, just go to ghoulishdelights.com. What happens there? Uh, if you go to ghoulishdelights.com, you can listen to other episodes of this podcast. You can also learn about shows we are doing. We're performing at the James J. Hill Library in St. Paul, Minnesota. We are doing live performances of old classic horror shows just like this. You can also go to ghoulishdelights.com and vote in our poll. Uh, decide whether you thought this episode stood the test of time. You can also go to iTunes and write a glowing review of this podcast because I think it was great. 
I really do. If I could write my own review, I'd say, great job, guys. Well, the next episode is uh, yours, Joshua. Yes. Next time, we will be listening to an episode of Arch Obler's Plays called The Day Sinatra Got Fat. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Until next time. Look out!